Looking at our world from a theological perspective, this is the Theology Central Podcast, making Theology Central. Good afternoon, everyone. It is Thursday, December the 30th, 2021. It is currently 1.11 p.m. Central Time, and I'm coming to you live from the empty sanctuary of Victory Baptist Church located right here in Ovalo, Texas. Now, we have some very important issues to discuss, and some of them can be, I guess, using the terminology of 2021, triggering. It's going to immediately trigger some of you, and you're going to immediately want to start arguing with me and fighting with me. I'm going to ask that you please try to take a few minutes, take a deep breath, think about what I'm saying. Here's a novel idea. Listen to everything I have to say before jumping to any conclusions, all right? I think this is so very important, all right? I have talked to you over and over and over again how I feel historical biblical Christianity is being written out of existence, right? And I believe it's being written out of existence by forces coming from two separate sides. One is coming from the far left, a left progressive, politically hijacked Christianity is slowly but surely writing historical Christianity out of existence. And then you have a Christianity far, 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 far from the right that is politically hijacking Christianity and writing it out of existence. We've talked about that over and over and over again, but I want to kind of set aside that illustration, that descriptive way that I have used in the past to talk about the day, what's happening to Christianity. And I want to set it aside to kind of discuss a different perspective, okay? I want you, I'm right here inside an empty sanctuary of a church, right? And I want you to think about that inside the church. I want you to imagine that inside this church, it's not empty right now, okay? Now, I know you can't see inside the sanctuary, but I'm, I'm sitting here at the back of the sanctuary looking at all the pews, and they're all empty, but imagine all of these pews are filled with people. Just imagine that, right? There's, I don't even know how many people can fit in here. Maybe 100, 120, I don't know. I don't know exactly how many people can fit in this sanctuary. It's not that large of a sanctuary. But let's just say this place was absolutely filled, all right? And then imagine outside the church, there's all kinds of issues happening, right? There's all kinds of things happening in society, there's all kinds of philosophies. There's all kinds of problems. There's just, you just name the issue. They're happening all outside the church, right? So the church is in here. We're, we're, we're behind the door. You were looking out the window. We see everything going on in the world. It's absolutely crazy. It's problematic. It may bring concern. It may bring anger. It may bring fear. And everyone in the church starts talking about what's going on out there behind, outside on the other side of that door, outside of those windows. And you, and as people continue to talk, you start realizing something is happening, right? You give it five minutes, then 30 minutes, an hour, three hours, and about six, seven hours into it, you realize that the church is slowly but surely dividing into different sects. 
they're dividing into different groups. And like this group believes, no, 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 this is what I think about what's going. No, no, this is what we need to do. And all of a sudden you see the church is becoming more and more divisive. And the next thing you know, they start fighting amongst themselves. You're like, no, no, listen, listen, out there's the problem. Out there's the problem. And nobody's listening because they're like, no, you, you, no, I don't know what you think. No, you're not even a Christian. No, you're a Christian. And the church starts fighting amongst itself. Well, the, and you don't, you can't even tell now which noise is loud. Is the noise outside of the church louder than the noise inside the church? Is the division outside the church worse than the division inside the church? And slowly but surely you watch the church literally break into different groups, sectarian violence breaks out, civil war ensues, and then the church is weaker than it was before all of the problems started. Now, I know that may not be a perfect illustration, but I really want you to at least try to have that in mind. You're sitting inside your church and everyone's got issues about what's going on in the world, but next thing you know, it's literally splitting and dividing the church. Now, I want you to just take that image and then contrast that with this. If there be, if there be, therefore, any consolation in Christ, if any comfort of love, if any fellowship of the Spirit, if any bowels and mercies, fulfill ye my joy that you be like-minded, having the same love, being of one accord, of one mind, let nothing be done through strife or vainglory, but in lowliness of mind, let each esteem other better than themselves. Look not every man on his own things, but every man also on the thing of others. That's Philippians chapter two, verses one through four. When you contrast Philippians 2, 1 through 4 with what has happened in the American church since the beginning of the pandemic, the two don't agree. Because since the beginning of the pandemic, the church has become more and more divided over. Now, just think about this. Here's a pandemic. Think about it from this perspective outside of the church. It's this pandemic and everyone in the culture is divided. They're fighting. They're yelling. They're screaming. They're acting like children. They're throwing fits. They're assaulting one another on airplanes. They're yelling and screaming in doctor's offices and in, uh, and in convenience stores and grocery stores. And everyone's got their opinion and everyone's fighting and everyone's arguing. And the next thing you know, guess what? That came into the church. And then we started dividing and arguing. And basically like, if you come into this church and you wear a mask, we're going to ask you to leave. Oh, you, no, no, you can come to church, but we're not going to do any social distancing or wear a mask to protect you. So you either just stay at home or you just come to church and accept it. And it's like, and, and it's like all of a sudden, nobody's thinking about anybody else. Everyone's worried about their rights, fighting, differences of opinion. Well, what should we do? What is our responsibility to government? Well, we're not going to do this. We're not going to do this. We're not going to do this. We're not going to follow this rule. We're not going to do this. And he's just like, what has happened to the church? The problems outside of the church became the problems inside the church and the church has become more and more divided. And let me tell you, that division is going to get worse in 2022. That division is going to get worse in 2022. It doesn't matter. Whatever's going on in society, 
this is what just is mind boggling to me. Whatever is happening in society typically becomes the very thing that divides the church. Why are the Methodists splitting and dividing? Because of LGBTQ issues. Well, LGBTQ issues are things going on in the culture. They ultimately divide the church. Churches yelling, you name it, whether it's critical race theory, whatever it is, whatever's going on in the culture ultimately divides the church. Why is that? Why can't the church go, no, 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 no. We're not going to let the things of society divide us as Christians. But it happens over, it happens in generation after generation, over and over and over again. But it's coming in 2022. Let me just, let, let, let me just, just stay with me. Just stay with me. Let's start with just a news article that I just received just, you see, well, it was published at 1027 a.m. It just showed up uh, just a little while ago. Maybe, maybe, while, I think I was on the air on the last live broadcast when this showed up. Are you ready? Here we go. Experts warn of U.S. Omicron blizzard and weeks ahead. Experts are warning of a Omicron blizzard in the weeks ahead. Now, I don't know if you've been keeping up with the Omicron, which is the variant of the COVID-19 variant that is now the dominant variant here in the United States and around the world. It is spreading the number, basically three Americans every one second is being infected with Omicron. I think those were the numbers I heard earlier this morning. It's absolutely staggering what is happening. The numbers are worse now than they were at the beginning of the pandemic. This is the reality. Now, as soon as you start talking about that reality, people get triggered and they want to start arguing. See, immediately they want to start arguing, which is of no help to anyone. All right. Now I'm going to take a drink of water really quick. One second. All right, there. Now I'm back. I apologize. But when you're live on the air, good thing I have the little cough button to try to, well, make sure my voice can maintain through this. All right, here we go. So the reality is we've got this Omicron variant spreading all over the United States of America. And the reality is any discussion about it within the church leads to division and fighting, which goes against everything we have in Philippians chapter two. Instead of bringing us together, it is tearing us apart. Instead of making the church stronger, it's making the church weaker. Instead of being an opportunity for churches to determine how they can minister better, it's that they've in many cases ministered less. And be, and their ministry became more of a, their ministry became more to make a point than it was to actually minister. These are the things that we have witnessed. Here's a little bit of this story. U.S. health experts on Thursday urged Americans to prepare. I want you to hear this. I want you to hear this. U.S. health experts on Thursday, that is today, urged Americans to prepare for severe disruptions in coming weeks as the rising wave of COVID-19 cases led by Omicron variant threatened hospitals, schools, and other sectors impacting their daily lives. The warning came amid record U.S. COVID-19 cases, while federal officials issued more travel warnings 
and reportedly prepared to authorize booster shots for 12 to 15-year-olds next week. For the second day in a row, the United States had a record number of new cases based on the seven-day average with more than 290,000 new affections reported each day. They go on to talk about hospitalizations have rose 27%. Now, that's a smaller percentage than it could be, so that's good news. But anytime those hospitalizations go up, I cannot stress this enough, that's the number to look for. Hospitalizations and deaths. Hospitalizations, because if your local hospital cannot, doesn't have any more room, they have to start rationing care. People can't get the treatment they need. That's devastating. That puts people's lives at risk. If someone in your family, if, so, if a family member, no matter what you care about Omicron, you can say you think it's all garbage. You can say you don't believe it. You can say whatever you want. Someone in your family needs an ICU bed for a medical emergency and they can't get one because it's filled with Omicron patients. Your lack of belief in it is not going to change the fact. That, that's This is serious, all right? He says, we're going to see the number of cases in this country rise so dramatically, we're going to have a hard time keeping everyday life operating. Nobody wants to hear any of that. I don't want to hear that. You don't want to hear that. No, everyone's tired of hearing it. You may think it's all garbage. You may think it's all a grand conspiracy. But the fact is, whatever you believe, if let's say this turns out to be true, because I know the experts are not always right, but let's say it turns out to be true and that in 2022, which is just around the corner, massive disruptions begin again. Mask mandates, maybe even vaccine mandates, maybe closing things down, maybe your livelihood is threatened. Massive issues could be coming in the next couple of weeks. What is going to be your response? Not only as an individual, but amongst your fellow Christians, are you going to allow possibly these disruptions and these issues to become a source of division within your church? How many churches are going to be split? How many churches are going to divide once again because of these issues. And one of the major issues we are going to face at the beginning of 2022, listen, is the relationship between church and state. We are once again be going to find ourselves in the middle of massive theological battles when it comes to the relationship between church and state. What is the church's responsibility to the state? And when can the church rebel and go against the state? When, where is that line? What is clearly written? What are the clear rules? Everyone seems to have an opinion on it, right? What we noticed at the beginning of the pandemic, it did not take long for many churches to basically come up with brand new interpretations of Romans 13, interpretations that I had never seen before or even heard argued before. All of a sudden we found out Romans 13 doesn't apply. Don't quote to me Romans 13. That has no implications here. We don't have to follow any of the rules. No mask, no social distancing, no reducing the size of people in the congregation. We can do whatever we want to do. We have no obligation to follow the rules. 
And it was like, whoa, imagine that. What I, what I think we need, I really do. I, I really want this. I want a new generation of Christian teenagers to rise up and say, obeying your parents and honoring your parents is an outdated idea. And we've misinterpreted that completely and just go full-blown rebellion. Just go full-blown rebellion. So we don't have to follow any of the rules my parents set. I mean, if the adults can, can throw out Romans 13, why can't the Christian young people throw out obeying their parents? I know I'm going to get some Christian parents who get upset, but I just think at some point, why do we have to follow any of the rules? But this is going to lead to more and more division. Now, what's interesting, as soon as I got that news article, as soon as I got that news article, well, I, I, let, me, let me put it in a correct timeline. I got that news article, I think, when I was on the air. As soon as I got off the air, I always immediately, as soon as I end a, a live broadcast, the second I end a live broadcast, I immediately go to my email inbox because a lot of times I already have emails waiting for me. It's, it's sometimes fascinating. Like I'm in the middle of talking and then, I, and, and then I'll immediately end the broadcast, go check my email. And I'm like, so people were already like, and I'll look at the time and I'm like, I was four minutes into my broadcast when they sent that email telling me that I'm an idiot. They didn't even listen to it. It's just, it's amazing sometimes what I do that, but it's, it's almost like entertainment. But this time I go and check my email and this is what I see. Church and state number 258. And I'm like, oh, wait, 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 wait. I know what this is. I know what this is. This is the newest edition of the Free Grace Broadcaster. I subscribe to the Free Grace Broadcaster. And as soon as the new edition, the new issue is available, they send it to my email inbox. I love the Free Grace Broadcaster. I think every Christian should read it all the time. So I'm like, what, what is this about? So I go, all right, there's the links. I can download it for a PDF or I can put it on a Kindle. I can put it in the EPUB. And here's what it says. Dear brethren, in this last quarter of 2021, the Free Grace Broadcaster takes up a controversial, vexing, yet vital subject, the relation between church and state. The Ch chapel library is used to theological controversy. Though we have avoided arguing about Christ's second coming, we are closer to it every day. And politics, I uh, see, we, so they've avoided talking about Christ's second coming, uh, but they do believe we're closer to it every day. And they've seemed to avoid talking about politi politics. However, our world is facing lockdowns, mask and vaccine uh, uh, mandates, governmental violence, and in the minds of some, tyranny. Believers around the world are earnestly asking questions about their relationship to their governments. Serious, distressing, and often disturbing questions. One thing about those questions is clear. Christian conscience worldwide agonize over how to answer them. Now, let me stop right here. I think this is awesome that the Free Grace Broadcaster is going to address this issue. Now, if, you don't, if you've never read the Free Grace Broadcaster, they always pull from things in church history. Sermons from the 1600s, 1700s, 1800s, church, you know, uh, confessions of faith, things from the past. In other words, how did the church in the past 
deal with these issues and then we can go look at how the church dealt with them in the past to possibly inform us and how we should deal with some of these issues in the present. Because let's make it very clear, there's nothing new under the sun. If you want to know how Christians handled the issues that you're facing today, they probably faced similar issues in the past. So go read about what they did in the past and then see if there are principles we can apply in the present that could make us better informed Christians. Now, a lot of Christians will say, hey, this is what my conscience is telling me. This is what my conscience is telling me. Now, we can get to a big theological discussion here, but I will argue this. I cannot just go with my conscience in a very, in, in a very general way. Just stay with me what I mean by that. Because my conscience obviously is something inside of me. And what is also inside of me? My sinful nature. So how does the sin inside of me, how does the sin of my flesh impact my conscience? What I have to have is a well-informed conscience. If I do not have a well-informed conscience, that conscience may then not lead me in a correct way and may lead me into a self-serving, rebellious, fleshly, ungodly way, unless that conscience is well-informed. And how is the conscience well-informed? Through the detailed study of God's word. Then I well-inform my conscience so that it is not operating based off the the desires of the flesh, but through the word of God. I think that there's some people just say, well, my conscience says no. Okay, well, is your conscience right? Is your conscience always right? We can get into a big discussion here that will probably create some controversy. But what I think is, what I I see this is as an opportunity for us to look at this issue of the grace broadcaster on church and state, read everything they have to say to properly inform your conscience and then to consider if what is said is biblical and true. And then how does that apply to the situations facing in the world? So possibly it would bring the church together instead of divide us. Because the one thing we cannot do to inform our conscience is rely on politics, is to rely on the culture, is to rely on Fox News, Donald Trump, Alex Jones, Mark Levine, Glenn Beck, Tucker Carlson, whoever you, they should not be informing the conscience of a Christian. It should be the word of God. It should be church history. Let's read more about what they have to say. God's truth will always trigger debate controversy, and division in this sinful world. It will always cause division and controversy in this sinful world. But God's truth should bring about unity and agreement within the body of Christ. But I will argue that now we can't even agree is as the body of Christ on things like Romans 13. We can't even agree now on Romans 13. I mean, at some point, I, know, I mean, listen, I know on one hand, I, I'm, I'm just being stupid and naive. Because Christians can't even agree on baptism. We can't even agree on the Lord's Supper. We can't agree on basically anything. So why would we agree on Romans 13? But I've always thought that at least Romans 13 is pretty clear. But no, we can't even agree on that. And you can, and, 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 and people can run around and go, well, you're just an idiot and you're just stupid. Well, go ahead. But the point is that at some point, nobody can agree on anything. So why do we even worry about agreeing on anything? At some point, Christians are going to have to realize we are so divided on every theological issue that it makes us look like we're absolutely insane and that we do not possess the truth. Because you would think logically, truth should bring unity, not constantly dividing us. But we can't even agree on Romans 13. I mean, like, what in the world? But we, we can't. 
it makes sense. It, it, they say it makes sense that the world is, is you know, de- uh, is triggered and there's debate and con- controversy and division in the sinful world. It makes sh- sense. Jesus calls Satan the prince of this world. With, with, what, with what did that prince tempt Jesus? He showed Jesus all the kingdoms of the world and a moment of time. And the devil said unto him, all this power will I give thee and the glory uh, of them for that is delivered unto me and to whomsoever I will give it. Luke 4, 5. What might that tell you about the about nations, their leaders and their politics? What might that say about unbelieving politicians, your city council, mayor, governor, congressman, senator, and president? Paul wrote that unbelievers walk according uh, to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience. Might that include some of your civil magistrates? Might that color one's political views? Luke tells us that when Paul and Barnabas traveled, uh, they found a certain sorcerer, a false prophet, a Jew whose name was Bar-Jesus, which was with the deputy of the, of the country. Um, notice what uh, Bar-Jesus, also known as Elmas, El- El- did, uh, the sorcerer. For so is his name by interpretation, withstood them seeking uh, to turn away the deputy from the faith. What? A man that traffics in demonic power, influencing a political figure? The Bible is filled with that reality. Pharaoh and his sorcerers, Nebuchadnezzar and his magicians, astrologers, the Chaldeans and soothsayers. The biblical list is lengthy. Does any thinking Christian imagine that such things do not happen today? Satan wants men and power under his control. That does not mean, of course, that all politicians knowingly serve Satan and demons, but Satan deeply involved in human government. Few things in this world are as religious as politics. Now, they make a a big claim here that basically when it comes to political leaders, Satan could be involved in using, controlling, and pulling them for his purpose. Now, let's just go with this theory that that's Let's let's say that's 100% accurate. And I didn't go through all the names of the people here. Um, And uh, you can look at Acts 13.6. You have have, uh, the deputy of the the country is Sergius Paulus. Uh, Then you have Bar-Jesus. Bar-Jesus is also mentioned here, who's named as Elymas, E-L-Y-M-A-S, the sorcerer. All right. And then he tries to then influence the political leader. And then you can go through all of that. Okay. I'm sorry. I kind of ran through that quickly because I didn't want to get into a whole exegesis of Acts 13, which we may have to go back to. But let's just go from argument's sake. Let's go with the idea. Let's just go with the idea that it's true. There's Satan and he's involved in the city magistrates, the mayor, city council, school school board, and he's just running around, influencing, 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 influencing. Now, I would have to take a step back and go, but wait a minute. Who placed those powers in charge? Was it Satan or was it God? What is my responsibility to those authorities, even if I believe Satan is in, in working in and through them? These are questions we would have. They go on to say this, for that reason, we present the latest issue of the Free Grace Broadcaster, Church and State. It will not answer all your questions, is not intended to. In fact, you may have more questions after you read it. Our purpose is to provoke you to think seriously and biblically about the subject for our day. You will hear from Lutherans, Presbyterians, 
and particular Reformed Baptists, all of them struggling to answer church-state questions from the Word of God, often coming from different conclusions. All right? Uh, We begin with chapter 24 of the 1677-1689 Second London Baptist uh, of Faith, London Baptist Confession of Faith, and they're going to deal with the uh, the chapter of of the civil magistrate. All right? Um, This is, uh, they're going to also have an explanation of two types of power, the magistrate and the church. John Calvin declares that God has ordained civil magistrates for humanity's good. Calvin's clear, uh, dear friend uh, discusses the three major forms of government, monarchy, um, uh, and then it has democracy, uh, aristocracy, um, it says, which is best. R.C. Sproul then explains that the essence of civil government is force. Is government authority absolute? Then they have other ind- ind- uh, uh, people here arguing that it is delegated, not absolute power. He also discusses the social contra- contact contract theory. Uh, Christopher Goodman, a contemporary of Calvin and Knox, examines true obedience when facing civil or religious oppression. The important doctrines of the lesser magistrates has been forgotten by modern believers as well as unbelievers. But uh, another individual teaches us that the uh, uh, teaches us the biblical importance of this idea. Uh, building upon that doctrine, which the reformers and Puritans held, was the extraordinary examples of it in the different confessions of faith. They name a, a number of a lot of other people. They go on to show plainly that God ordained. Uh, uh, the God-ordained and biblical importance of these doctrines, and then they go on and with more individuals and more individuals and more articles. All of this in the latest edition. I'm gonna I'm gonna download the PDF really quick. I'm just gonna go through all the articles. Okay, so here's what we have. <clears throat> the first one is of the civil magistrate, which comes from the London Baptist Confession of Faith. The second article is magistrate and the church. The third one is from John Calvin, powers ordained by God. Next, how should men be, man be governed? Next, God-ordained force. Next, God, government, and authority. Next, true obedience and in civil and religious oppression. Next, the duty of lesser magistrates. Next, the appeal to the emperor. Next, the appeal to nobles and magistrates. Next, government and liberty, and next, the kingdom of Christ. Those are all the articles available in the latest edition of the Free Grace Broadcaster. And I would challenge you to go to theologycentral.net right now, theologycentral.net, go to the blog section, and download it. It's absolutely free. Theologycentral.net, go to the blog section, download it. Start reading it. Start discussing it. Start asking questions about it. Now, I I know I didn't go through all of the names and everything that they mentioned. I was just kind of going through it quickly. But they've got so many names, so many different articles, dealing with so many different perspectives that, um, well, we could have spent more time working through all of that. I apologize for, for, for... in both cases, the Acts 13 situation and going through all the description of all of that, I skipped a bunch of things and, and kind of jumped around. I apologize for some of that, but um, I just I just don't want to get into every little issue here, but I at least want you to have the idea that there's a lot of content here, all coming from different perspectives. 
And these are the different perspectives of the past. Now, what's going to be frustrating is when you're done, you may not have a clear answer yet. So this, this is what I want you to consider. If the church and the past never had a clear issue, a, a clear understanding, then we can't really expect the church in the present to have a clear understanding. But here's what we have to do. If we don't have a clear, if nobody has a clear understanding, in other words, if the people in the past didn't have a clear understanding and we don't have a clear understanding, then everyone has to be very careful about being so dogmatic that your dogmatism divides and destroys the church over something that maybe you cannot be that dogmatic about. So what we have to do is figure out all the things we don't know and then try to determine the things that we should be able to be pretty clear about. For example, who institutes that government? Is it God? If God put them there and God says that we are to obey them, then we have to do, at least we all have to agree, we've got to do everything in our power to obey until a certain point is reached. And we got to make sure that point is actually reached before we go into full-blown rebellion and disobedience. Those should be some basic principles. We are facing major division in 2022 within the church. And many in the church are going, this is what they're going to do. They're going to get so tired of everything going on in the culture. You watch this, that they're going to think the answer, that their hope, that their consolation, borrowing from our study in Luke 2, that their comfort, that their salvation is going to be found in political parties. And it's going to become a political focus again, not a spiritual. Instead of looking at what God may want us to learn in the midst of all of this, we're going to look to politics to save us from all of this. And we're going to then basically sell our souls to political leaders in order to give us the results we want. Maybe we need to spend some time on this. And what I love about this uh, this issue of the free grace broadcaster. This is my favorite thing. It says church and state right underneath that. Are you ready? The powers that be are ordained of God. Romans 13, one. That's the verse they have on the cover. That's where we can all agree that all powers that are, are ordained by God. God put them there. We have to start from there. Agreed? I think we should be able to agree. Go download it, Church and State, the newest issue of the Free Grace Broadcaster. It is available for free. Go to theologycentral.net. Go to the blog section. It's the first article. Download it. Read it. Struggle with it. Ask questions. Deal with it. And see if we can come to a better theological understanding. And maybe this will bring about some unity. Figure out the things we can know. Figure out the things we can't know. And then focus on what we can know and follow that. I want to. I'm looking at it right now. Uh, Yeah, I I just I want to jump into this right here. Yeah, the very first article of the civil magistrate, it's from the uh, 17, 1677 and 1689 London Baptist Confession of Faith. This is how it reads, just to show you, this is how it starts. God, the supreme Lord and King of all the world, hath ordained civil magistrates to be under him 
over the people for his own glory and the public good. And to this end hath armed them with the power of the sword for defense and encouragement of them that do good and for the punishment of evildoers. It is lawful for Christians to accept and execute the office of a magistrate when called thereunto. In the management whereof, as they ought to especially to maintain justice and peace according to the whole wholesome laws of each kingdom and commonwealth. So for that end, they may lawfully now under the New Testament wage war upon just and necessary occasions. Now, that's the just war doctrine coming into play there. Civil magistrates being set up by God for the ends uh, aforesaid, subjection and all lawful things commanded by them ought to be yielded by us and the Lord, not only for wrath, but for conscience sake. So because civil magistrates are set up by God, then we should be in subjection to them and all lawful things commanded by them ought to be yielded by us and the Lord, not only for wrath, but for conscience sake. And we ought to make supplications and prayer for kings and all that are in authority and that under them, we may live a quiet and peaceable life in all goodliness and honesty. In other words, we are to obey them and all lawful, lawful things. Now, when we say lawful, We have to understand, in other words, anything that does not go specifically against Scripture. Okay. And then they go on to say, underneath that, uh, the Scriptures represent the Lord Jesus under a great variety of characters, which, though insufficient fully to represent him, yet in conjunction assist us to form such exalted ideas of this great uh, personage as mortals can reach. He is a surety that undertook and paid the dreadful debt of obedience and suffering which sinners owed to the divine justice and law. He is a priest, and they go on, and well, they they talk about a number of other things here that are not super helpful there, but you get the idea. Then the very, so they start off with basically, basically the London Baptist Confession, and the reason that's important, that's our confession of faith here in this church, which gives the idea that all government was put there by God, it's lawful for me to serve it. It's lawful for the government to, to carry out war if it's just, and we are to obey it as much as possible. Those are the basic principles that have been in place forever, right? Government's put there by God. We can participate in it. We can. Government can carry out war if it's just and lawful, and we are to obey the laws as much as possible. Those are just basic principles. It's not complicated. It's not, but we've made it so very complicated because we don't like some of the rules that are being passed down. I understand that. But we got to start thinking about these laws, not just in regards to our own freedom, but in regards to other people. And then the next article is the magistrate and church. All right. Then it says, it starts off the institutional power of God manifest itself in two ways on earth through the physical sword of the magistrate, the instrument of the state, and through the spiritual sword of the word of God, wielded by the church of God. Both come from God. The centurion in Matthew 8 said to Jesus, Lord, I am not worthy that thou shouldest come under my roof, but speak the word only and my servant shall be healed. For I'm a man under authority, having soldiers under me. And I say to the man, go, and he goeth, and to another come, and he cometh, and to my servant, do this, and he doeth it. We see here that there are two aspects of God's working among men, one quite human and the other divine. 
Now, you can just see it's going to get into some very interesting. I say I want to just start reading all of it and breaking all of it down. But I, I think um, what we may do, we may go back to the London Baptist Confession of Faith. They, they've got the 16, let's see, the 1677. Oh, they got the 1689. I may, I may go back to the 1689 one again and then uh, look up all the scriptures that are connected to it, uh, all the scriptural proof. And we may do that here soon because I think we're just, we're going to have to just get some of these things really f- a, a good understanding of them in our brains or, or the church is just going to slide further and further into chaos in 2022. It, it's just, that's where we're headed. When experts are warning there's going to be disruptions coming, people are going to rebel against those disruptions. And then the church is going to take a stand to either rebel or to go against it. And then people in the church are going to break into two different camps, which is going to further divide the church, split many churches, and hinder churches, again, from moving forward and doing ministry because the churches themselves are fighting amongst themselves over things that should have been settled long ago, should have been, but obviously Christians have struggled with them for a very long time. But we're going to have to focus on what we can know. Basic principles. That's where we have to start. What, what it seems that if you mention Romans 13 today, immediately people are like, I'm, I've literally heard this on Christian radio. I'm tired of hearing people say, what about Romans 13? I literally have heard that said. I'm tired of people saying, what about Romans 13? How could you ever be tired of hearing Christians saying, what about Romans 13? Don't you want them looking to scripture to figure out what to do? The reason many in Christianity are tired of people mentioning Romans 13 is because they have to play hermeneutical gymnastics to try to get around it. That's probably tiring after a while. But there you have it. That's just, that's some just concerns about where we are headed. So go download it now. Free Grace Broadcaster, theologycentral.net, the blog section. I do apologize for reading through some of those things poorly. I always hate when I read through something and realize, man, I kind of just skipped through that and skipped through that because in my mind, I'm like, oh, well, I don't want to read all of that. But that's sometimes when you're live and reacting to things in the moment, you, you sometimes make those mistakes. But yeah, sometimes I'll start reading it going, ah, you know, I probably should have just skipped over this. But uh, there you have it. You can read it for yourself. All right. Sounds good? I hope so. Again, it's going to cause lots of division, but we got to start thinking about these things right now. We have to start thinking about these things. I mean, I've been saying this since 2019, the early parts of 2020, and here we are going into 2022, and the same issues are persistent, and the same issues are present, and they're not going away. So use the end of 2021 to really think about these issues. It shouldn't take you long to read through the Free Grace Broadcaster. And if you have questions, if there are certain parts that you want to hear discussed, email me at newsif at yahoo.com. Show me the, 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 the part. Let me know which article it came from. Then I can find the fuller context and then maybe we can discuss it and see what maybe what is a biblical, see what you agree or disagree with. All right, there you have it. Okay, email me, newsif at yahoo.com. All right, thanks for listening. God bless.